Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of All Too Real 2. My name is Michael E. Colin II, and with me, as always, is... And with Sesame, I'm sorry that I'm sometimes sarcastic, and Carta. That's a long name. It is, probably one of my longest ones so far. Yes. Is that all one word? Like The middle together? name is all one word, yeah. Oh, okay. Just checking. Yeah. Did we figure out if they charge you by the letter or the syllable or what? It's by the letter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where you're getting all this money, man. I I don't know either. It just, it's just like a pot of gold that shows up and then... You change your yeah. name every week. I mean... But I can only use it for that purpose. So... That kind of sucks. One time I, yeah, one time I tried to spend it on something else and mm-hmm. it just disappeared. So it's like it's money only for that thing. Does it work for like gas money to get there to change your name or... Uh, no, not really. Sometimes I've had to Where can you do this online? Uh, I don't know because I've never actually really done it. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so this is all just a bit? Yeah, it's all, I mean, come on, my whole life is a bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just checking. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was believing you every one of these weeks. I'm sorry, man. For the past two years, I've been, uh, <laughs> you've been lying to me. Three years at this point. Yeah. And, uh. <laughs> When did I change my name to Sesame? I think it was like two or three years ago. I don't know. I think it was like a year and a half or two years ago. Yeah, it was been a while. Yeah, it was a while yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my name really is not is not really Sesame and Carta. Although, which is like hilarious because like like probably like confusing Scott because you you tell him. By the way, Scott's one of the the, the um, guests we guests have on today. We, yeah, you <laughs> told them on the group chat. I'm tagging Matt in here, a.k.a. Alan Majeski, a.k.a. Sesame <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> At least I didn't have to go over every name you use every week. Yeah. The middle names oh, and shoot. all. Oh, now shoot. Now I let my Facebook name out. Now now, now everyone's going to know who I am. Okay, who cares? That's okay. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not that one. It's the other one, so don't look him up. You know, if you find... It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It could be one of four or five or... <laughs> It's a common whatever. name. Um, yeah, so uh, today on the show, we uh, had an all-two interview with um, Sean Justice and Scott Galbraith, um, the 
writers and then the director and the star of uh, the film The Reconciler that we saw recently. So, um, yes, Scott is the one of the co-writers and the star of the movie. And then we also have Sean Justice, who was one of the co-writers and director of the film. Talk to, you know, nice, nice little talk we had with them. Um, covered everything from why they made the film to, uh, you know, the, you know, Roddy Roddy Piper of it all and everything, you know, so it's, it's, it's a good interview. Um, please listen, because I think it's actually one of our best interviews we've done. So. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, it's, it's very, um, <laughs> yeah, you could, you could tell they've kind of probably done this before, you know, they're very comfortable, you know, at, uh, being interviewed by people, uh, you know, very, very sincere vibe I got from them, from their friendship and their, also their, their, um, collaboration relationship as well. And they were very gracious to come on the show after we kind of made fun of their film a little bit, like we yeah. do, but not, not like, I don't think we eviscerated this one as much as we do some other ones. So. No, and yeah. like I mentioned too, is like, you know. What I do this, I'm like, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit. Like, you know, yeah, you're playing like, a character. It's, it's, it's like a kind <laughs> of a character, but it's still me. It's it's not really meant to be, you know, taken personally or meant in bad faith. So if you know, if I do actually end for real and fend someone, then I actually will apologize because for me, you know, I'm not I'm not really in the business of like trying to hurt people's feelings. Like it's not, you know, like I don't want to be that kind of person, you know. Yeah, so, and I mean and, and if anybody else that, you know, we've talked about your film and would like to come on, we'd be more than happy to have you on and talk okay. about your filmmaking process and, you know, just the whole thing and how the, you know, just the, the pain it is to make a film and the joy of it too, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess w- without further ado, here's our interview with, uh, Scott and Sean here. Um, so, uh, check it out. I'd like to thank uh, Sean Justice and Scott Galbraith for uh, joining us today on All Too Real 2 to talk about uh, their life in film, uh, especially the film The Reconciler, which we covered in a previous episode here. Um, First off, I just wanted to ask you guys um, how you got started in filmmaking. Oh, for me, um, I I could start. Uh, My dad was a amateur kind of filmmaker. Uh, He was an electrical contractor by trade, but he ended up uh, loving uh, media. He was a a DJ back in the 50s (laughs) and and did dances and and that kind of thing. And uh, he always loved uh, film and audio reel-to-reel and at church, he did all the sound. I remember growing up uh, being in the sound booth with him. Um, you know, and back then it was pretty archaic compared to what it is now. Yeah. But um, he had a Super 8 camera. He had a, his little editor. Uh, and he uh, even had the sound recorder uh, from Elmo and had a little Canon, you know, camera. And, you uh, you know, one of the things that he did with us and my twin brother uh, is we would animate our Legos and our toys. Oh, nice. It was kind of that um, that bonding experience, <laughs> you know, between father and sons that, um, you know, is really good to have uh, when you're young. So 
as my dad progressed through, uh, you know, buying a bait, he bought, he was one of the first in town to own a Betamax. If, if yeah. anybody even knows what that is. Um, and you know, he had the, the, the portable, re, you know, consumer recorders where you had, you know, the, the snake from the camera to the, the pack, you know, recording that way. And, so we kind of grew up around it. And then uh, in the seventh grade, my brother and I were, had the opportunity to do, take a television production class in our middle school. And we, in the Portland area, had a performing arts high school that uh, we we excelled very well because we kind of knew filmmaking anyway in that seventh grade class. Uh, we're asked at the end of our seventh grade year to be advanced placement students at this performing arts high school uh, and called Jefferson Performing Arts. And we excelled there. And um we were doing videos for companies and such by the time we were 16 and <laughs> had our own music video show and um and then he went off to college i stayed in portland to went to portland state for business but started my own production company when i was 19 and i was doing corporate and commercial work uh since eight, 1989 so i've been at it almost 34 years now oh wow uh how about you scott well, it's funny that you should use the term filmmaker because I'm not really a filmmaker. I yeah. consider myself a ham or an entertainer. One of the reasons <laughs> why people like Sean have a good job is because not everybody can do I know for a fact that I'm not a film director. Oh, yeah. I, when I was younger, I wanted to do everything. And while I am a jack of a couple trades, you learn pretty quickly you can't do everything. And there's just stuff with directing and such that I couldn't. Like, for example, I never could have directed a film myself. I never could have directed a film myself. And um, but uh, how I got into performing and writing is uh, kind of just well, I started as uh, your counterpart mentioned on the uh, um, uh, review of The Reconciler. I'm a magician. Thank you very much for bringing that up, Mr. Uh, is it Sesame? Is that your name, sir? Yes. <laughs> yes. OK. Yes. I just brought, wanted to make sure I use the right name here. Yeah. yeah thank you, you brought up that I was a magician, been a magician since I was six. And uh, saw my first David Copperfield, had a Fisher Price minute shortly thereafter. And uh, kind of wanting to act in school plays and church plays and stuff like that. And in fact, we want to talk about The Reconciler at all. The Reconciler was a church play first. And there's some interesting things to mention there, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, but anyway, I just have always had an overactive imagination. And one of the things that I just can't seem to do is stay out of my own work because <laughs> part of getting excited about the very first thing I ever wrote was a church skit when I was 13 for a drama festival that my church was participating in. And I literally hated every single um, uh, uh, church skit that was in the church library because it was all person one talking to person two about whatever spiritual concept the writer wanted to convey. And I went to my youth pastor. His name was James. He was only my youth pastor for two years, but he changed. He did something that changed the course of my life. I said to him, I don't like any of this stuff. There's no creativity in it. It's just regular people talking to each other. Where's the imagination? And he literally looked at me and said, well, Scott, if you don't like it, then you write something you want to be in. <laughs> so I don't know how to write something I don't want to be in. <laughs> Basically, well, that's good is advice. one of the reasons why I always end up in my own. Now, one thing that I have thankfully gotten away from is always making myself the star. One thing I one thing I learned from Reconciler was after I was exhausted after our eleven days of shooting was yeah I'm not a leading man. <laughs> I think my drama teacher in high school had it right when she cast me as the character actor. I think I'm more character actor, 
And uh, I kind of have a more character actor role in uh, Sean's other film, The Murder of Innocence, which he was nice enough to put me in when he was hired to write that. So I hope that answers your question about how I got into it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's good advice with uh, for writing in general. You know, you, even if you're not going to be in it, you still put yourself in the story. You know, it might be yeah. there might be like a, you know, an avatar for you yeah. as one of the characters in there. I think that's a good way to yeah. look at it because most writers, you know, yeah. you, they say write what you know. So, you know, it's like, yeah. you hey, know, yeah. How many of his own films is Quentin Tarantino been in? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, the thing is, is even if he's not in the movie, the other characters are yeah. parts of him. So, yeah, it's the same thing. Well, yeah. you know, I, I was in Reconciler, actually. Do you remember right. that? Which uh, which part did you do in Reconciler? Like, because it's been like over a month since I've seen it, and I've seen so much since then. <laughs> yeah, uh, I bet you're wondering why you're here yeah. in this bar. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was the I was actually reading the lines on set when we shot that, but yeah, he did the, he did the ADR for the voice. Nice. So. I did the voice, but it was heavily, you know, synthesized. Yeah. So right, yeah. yeah. Uh, the one scene in the movie that we get accused of blatantly ripping off Saw, and for the record, the movie was not a Saw ripoff, just so you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that we did not rip off Saw. I came up with the idea before we before I ever saw Saw. That's the thing I hate about the movie Saw. You can't, you can't talk about it without saying the word Seesaw or something like that, like you guys yeah. very much proved during your I first podcast. Saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember back when the first Saw movie came out and I was working at a video store and everybody was like, Hey Mike, did you see Saw yet? And I'm like, on the playground? Like, what, what are you talking about? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the, uh, but yeah, um, I, uh, I understand that. I mean, there's a lot of parallel thinking in filmmaking in general. I mean, for every Armageddon, there's a deep impact, you know, it's like right. things happen like that, you know? Yeah. Um, the, I, like, like we mentioned before, I'm surprised right. that, Saw has never been accused of ripping off Cube. Yeah. Which is another which is another movie where people wake up having no idea how they got there. I basically right. have the, I basically have this rule. If more than two movies have done it, it's a trope. It's not an original idea. Yeah. So it's just doing your own. I mean, how many times has the Die Hard formula been redone? Mm-hmm. So. And, and they say there's only like a handful of stories anyways that are just told yeah. in slightly different ways. Yeah. So, yeah. But in all honesty, I, I had never seen the movie Saw when I first came up with the idea and it, and everybody who's cri- criticizing this thing now is saying, this is a Chris, these are two Christian filmmakers who just blatantly ripped off saw. We did just for the yeah. record. I just, that's the one thing I want to set straight. We did not blatantly rip off saw. Did you have something to <laughs> so say there, we, Sesame? Yeah, we, we knew that it was just a marketing thing because I read all, <laughs> I mean, like after I watched it, I'm like, okay, this is, I mean, there's no gore. There's no torture. You know, there's no, you know, it's like, right totally different different thing but yeah it was just like a snarky marketing thing that well that's a weird yeah. phrase snarky I, marketing, I, but I don't know i have the licensing contract right here guys i don't know what you're talking about oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yes, actually, just, oh sorry go yeah. ahead one, thing, just, one other thing that i should mention is is that some other people were calling it like what one of the people who did a critique of it said you know, it's really hard for Christians to make horror movies. Well, if you're looking through it through that lens, you're not going to like the movie because Sean and I—we never called it a horror movie. Yeah, right. We, we considered it. We considered it a suspense or a mystery. Horror movies have a lot of, as you said, gore. If there's no gore, I don't think it's a horror movie. At least that's my philosophy. Uh, it just depends so, on the on the way you're looking at it. And I I didn't really look at it as a horror film after I saw it. I mean, and 
All yeah. I had seen is like one article where somebody said something about, oh, it's a Christian version of Saw. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go into this with this frame of mind. And then I was got something completely different. So I mean, yeah. I pretty much knew it wasn't just from, I don't know, just because I'm cynical, whenever I read something like that, I'm like, this is someone obviously just trying to play it up, you know? But, uh, but I just wanted to mention really quick. So I, I was listening to a, a interview of, of yours uh, recently. Yeah. And, you said something really interesting about how, um, like, about not not making your own creativity like an idol, basically, like, or something right. like that. And I thought that was really interesting because it can happen. Yeah, it can if you're not careful. One of the one of the I think Sean will back this up. You know, we're Sean and I we're not um, we're not shy about the fact that we're both Christian men. We both believe in the Bible. And sometimes if you fall in love with an idea that you just want to make so badly, I mean, as a matter of fact, Sean and I have been trying to make another movie for 13 years that I have just at the time, he will attest to the fact that I have become obsessed over time. It's the one that brought us together in the first place. And then, of course, we wound up making Reconcile the First. But you can, and this is something I've talked with my pastors about, which is sometimes if you're not careful, the idea can become what you're worshiping instead of God himself, if you're mm. not careful. So, and I have fallen into that trap. Yeah. Contrary to what other Christians will tell you, we are not perfect. <laughs> Nobody is, you know, yes. um, that's, that's the thing, you know, not, no yeah. human is, I mean, it's just, Oh, before I forget, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sesame, I just have to say this right now. Yes. Sean justice is his real name. That was one. Thing <laughs> during the original podcast. I just had to say, <laughs> I was, I was hoping so because that's such a cool name and, it's, 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 it's too perfect of a name there. I always, I've come across those, like, like I said, I used to work at a video store and there'd be customers who came in and I'd, I'd actually ask some of them, I'd be like, can I write down your name and use it in a movie in the future? Because it, you sound like you'd be a good, like police detective name or something, you know, whatever they had, you know? So yeah, <laughs> some names like that are cool. Um, yeah. And justice is just a cool last name. So you can almost put anything in front of it. He actually justice wrote a movie is, called justice that did you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> well, actually, it made it into a movie. It was on Netflix for a long time. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah. It, uh, uh, Stephen. Uh, uh, oh, fooey. I just blanked out. Um, he does that a lot. <laughs> my brain's all over the place. Uh, Stephen Lang. Stephen uh, Lang plays oh, the yeah. corrupt mayor in it. So, yeah, Stephen Lang's was a good. great actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, the. Uh... The other question I had, uh, well, we, we can dive in right now to the, I know you've done other things prior, I mean, before and since The Reconciler, but how did you guys come up with the concept of The Reconciler to begin with? Well, actually, that's, that's uh, kind of interesting. Um, believe it or not, um, I've said repeatedly in this interview already, I did not rip off Saw. Uh -huh. The original idea actually came from a very unusual place. Uh, the 1990s sitcom Perfect Strangers. Have you guys ever seen that? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, okay. definitely. <laughs> there was an episode where Larry would not talk to Balky because he lent someone his car without asking him. So Balky gets a pair of handcuffs from a security guard and handcuffs himself to Larry until he starts talking to him. And then they break the key when they're trying to unlock themselves and they have to spend the rest of the episode locked to each other. A later episode was done where the girls were fighting and Larry and Balky orchestrated this plan to lock them all in the apartment until they talked. And just at some point, I said, you know, you could almost do a movie or a series about a guy who did. Because I see a lot of people, unfortunately, even in my church, who just 
hold grudges for stupid reasons. And actually, believe it or not, one of the other people who critiqued the movie said that people would not hold on to grudge. The, someone actually said that the reasons for people not getting along in this movie were actually too petty. Well, that was kind of the point. <laughs> uh, the idea that God wouldn't do this to somebody because, you know, you, you guys gave away the ending already. Uh, the, the reconciler is God. God wouldn't do this to two people who have a problem that need a lot of healing. Like, for example, God would never put the parent of a murder victim and the guy who committed the crime in a room together to heal. That would not be a smart Yeah, because the, the people that the reconciler... <laughs> yeah, the people that the reconciler program happens to are the people who are being pet, uh, stupid and petty for dumb reasons. So that's the, that's the reason why, you know, it's something as simple as... I mean, actually, the conversation between the two twins... Uh, oh, actually, I should back up here just a little bit. I want I want to let you guys know something kind of interesting about the movie. Um, the way it basically happened was is that I had this idea. I had this idea based on what I had seen on you know, Perfect Strangers to do this scenario, and I started writing it, and then I abandoned it for a while, and then I had a time to go back and do a play for my church uh, during the summer, and so I decided to dust this one off. But I was telling somebody about it, and they said, Scott, this sounds an awful lot like the movie Saw. Have you seen it? And I'm like, no, and he's like, you should watch it before you write any further. So I watch it, and I was convinced of two things, three things. Number one, the film was so gory and so different from my film that nobody would accuse me of ripping it off. Yeah. Number two, no one in my church ever saw would ever see the movie. And three, I didn't think this thing would go any further than a church play. So I thought that, okay, we'll never run into that problem. Now, one thing that's also worth interest worth mentioning is my original play was only 45 minutes long. I remember that one of you said during your podcast that uh, you felt like the uh, reporter storyline was kind of added in. Well, there's a reason for that. When we couldn't get the reconciled story up to 60 minutes, Sean here put his genius thinking cap on and literally wrote that storyline one week before we started filming because our other producer would not accept the script that was not feature length. Oh, wow. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and, uh, but um, another interesting tidbit. I played Ed in the original play, but in the original play, Ed is actually stuck with a mother and a daughter, not twin brothers. Oh, okay. And now there's a reason for that change. It's because when you're doing an independent film, sometimes it's cheaper to write around what you have than it is to do a casting call and not find the right people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeremy and Jordan Steele, who played Alex and James, whose characters were originally Laurie and uh, Allison, we uh, use the Laurie name in the reporter storyline. That is like my single, that's one of my only two contributions to the reporter storyline that Sean wrote. And um, basically, I, we had been wanting to use Jeremy and Jordan in another uh, project, 13-year project, but uh, they needed to be of a certain age, and they were starting to age out the roles, and it was looking less and less like we, we were going to be able to use them for that movie. So I said to Sean, Sean, do we want to do a casting call and hope we find the mother and a daughter that I had chemistry with, or do we want to semi make good on our promise with Jeremy and Jordan and rewrite the script with them? And the latter turned out to be the cheaper and more uh, better move. Cause we had, we had to shoot all that warehouse stuff in only three days. Those are another couple guys that have great, great names. Steel yes. is the last name. That That's a good one. Too. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, how, uh, question here um how did uh roddy piper get involved in the project i'm just curious about that i'll pass that one to you sean because <laughs> i never i didn't actually meet him at all <laughs> right 
Um, well, actually, uh, Rodney uh, lived, lives in or lived uh, in the Portland area. Oh, wow. And uh, I had worked with him on another uh, a pilot uh, uh, for a <laughs> wrestling show, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, um, that he and I got to be good friends on. Uh, he, for some reason, asked me to be his personal cameraman on that show, on that pilot. And so we spent a lot of time together, uh, one-on-one. And um, I, oh, actually, I, I think I do know why, because um, I don't know. There, we, I told them a little bit of the story of, of my son's passing uh, about 11 years ago when it happened. And that actually is its whole own story of how Reconciler got made. But uh, we were talking and, and we are talking about our children. And, you know, I said that I had one that passed away. And this was probably within six months uh of that happening that i got working on that show and he was just like very you know i i i remember i don't know you know roddy had these just these hands that were you know you're (laughs) like okay this this is roddy pfeiffer and he he like puts his hand on my um on the side of my face you know he comes up to me and and he gets real close and he's like i'm so sorry sean i'm so sorry and I'm like, whoa, this is like Roddy Piper, yeah. you know, in my face, comforting me. And I was just so moved uh, by his compassion. And and we just stayed in touch. And when it came time to, um, you know, I thought when I got the script, uh, because what happened is um, when there was, a, there was a settlement, there was a wrongful death and uh, some of the decisions that were made at, at, due to what happened, with my son and we wanted to invest in projects. Um, and I said, why don't, why don't we just do something small to begin with? And, and I know, uh, at the time Scott, I was doing the reconciler flight. Right. And Scott, I, I was doing the reconciler plan. I go, you know, that's kind of an interesting idea. Um, you know, why don't we just, you know, get together a small group of people and go make it. I mean, it's, it's an indie yeah. film. It was just kind of get my feet wet. I hadn't made a film in 12, 13 years. Uh, my first feature I did uh, was called Going the Distance, and it was a teen film about these guys who are in bands and stuff. And, uh, and you know, I then kept doing corporate work, and that was my bread and butter. Um, and always had the passion, though, kind of on, I would call on the side, but, you know, to do narrative stuff. And yeah. um, the education I had at the Performing Arts School was more news-oriented, um, feature-oriented, and... Um, I didn't go to film school, so um, it was kind of self-taught on the narrative side um, and kind of cut my teeth on stuff. And and the play, that's how The Reconciler came about um, into a movie as I was just like, hey, what if we did this? And so I wrote the script into, <laughs> I adapted it for the screen and then found out that we we're short. Uh, you know, 62 pages or something like that. Right. And we're just like right before shooting and we're trying to get it into a feature length uh, sales channel. Um, and so uh, we already had some deals going on. We had, uh, 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 I think uh, E1 was interested in distributing it. Um, and so we're like, oh shoot, what do we do? Do we create more of these scenes where yeah. people are being reconciled? I just felt like it was too much to do more than three, you know, subplots. And so, or three, you know, three stories. So I said, well, 
you know, what if I wrote something real quick that, and I knew Sherry Morris who played the, the female right. reporter in it. Arguably um, the second biggest name in the movie. She's her claim. She's a big name on the Christian film market. She did a movie called the book of Ruth. That was very popular. She played Ruth. Yeah. I, yeah. Looked, I looked her up on IMDb and saw that she did have a extensive, you know, yeah, you she's know, done. Yeah. She's done a few things, mm-hmm. um, and so oh, I fun. I became friends with her, and it's like, well, let me think. Uh, and it was so that whole subplot of weaving that in uh, with her story, it was a little odd. But I was like, what else are we going to do <laughs> in such yeah. a short amount of time? And so I literally wrote a part in for Roddy, and I said, Hey, Roddy, would you be interested in coming in and uh, working on this project? And, you know, he shot in it a day. Um, there, working with him was very interesting. <laughs> he, he did not stick to script. Oh, okay. And he was very, um, I love the guy. He had such a big heart. But as an actor, you're, as a director working with him, you're just like, what's, what's he, what's he, what's he doing? doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're looking at the script going, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, hey, Roddy, it, it says this. And he's like, yeah, I got you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're like, was he agreeing with me? <laughs> what, 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 can someone be an, an, an Roddy interpreter here? <laughs> Is he just placating you or what? <laughs> yeah, I know. He was just all over the place. Uh-huh. So it was, it was pretty funny. But uh, we ended up... Um, you know, I thought, well, we'll just, we'll just, you know, we'll fix some stuff in ADR and, and that. And, uh, you know, before we could, he passed mm. away. Oh, geez. And so, um, and there was our audio guy, um, you know, bless his heart. He, he tried his best, but, you know, being a low budget indie film, it was his first experience. And where he placed the microphone on Roddy was very odd. And so, but I wasn't going to, I, sh- you know, now looking back, of course, I should have said, you know, cut, cut, let's, let's replace the microphone. But Roddy was in such, uh, he wasn't like a method actor, but you know, you didn't necessarily want to stop and say, Hey, we screwed up on audio. So let's, yeah. let's <laughs> replace the microphone. <laughs> so there's, there's some garbliness to still to this day. I, I ran it through a bunch of processors and, and best yeah. we could, but yeah, there's, you know, in an indie film, there's so much that you know, people, their expectation is that you're going to be, you know, a hundred million dollar quality film as opposed yeah. to an indie film. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I, we can say that on paper, this film was at a budget of about what, 50,000, Sean. It was, yeah. Uh, well, out of pocket. I, I didn't pay myself, of course. And, and, yeah. you know, you, you know, a lot of people gave in, but we still, you know, we spent money on, you know, a lot of things and pay, I paid a lot of the the extra crew, the audio guys and that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and so, but yeah, I mean, it was, sub. Uh, it's considered ultra low budget by SAG, SAG standards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, but, I mean, I, I, but we done, had a blast. I've done two features that cost us like 7,000 each. So. Right. Like way right. Old, low, low, low budget. But I mean, and, and I understand right. the whole thing with trying to deal with one, an actor you only have for like a day or a weekend or something like that. Cause yeah. when I, my first feature, we had, a. Uh, Ari Lehman from the original Nightmare. I'm not, not. I mean, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. He played the original Jason Voorhees. We had him for one day, and right. uh, we had two or three scenes with him, and we had to shoot them all in that right. time. And then cool. the one of it, one of his uh, 
co-stars didn't really do his lines that great in the scene with him. So then three months later, we shot the other side of the conversation. So <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we had to. You see that a lot in independent yeah. films, particularly in Christian yeah. independent films, where they will like, like uh, Pure Flix made this movie called Jerusalem Countdown. And yeah. on the cover, they have like all five big names as heads, uh-huh. like Christian movies like to do. Oh, another yeah. floating heads thing. And one of the five people was Lee Majors from uh, the fall from uh, the Fall Guy. Yeah. And, uh, Six million dollar man. He dies in the first scene he's in. Yeah, <laughs> he's only so. There's always somebody who they like throw in for just, just so. It, I call him a, po- a poster actor. Basically. Oh yeah, somebody you mm-hmm. find someone, and that's what that's what Roddy was for this film. Uh, one thing that I should mention that's uh, just real quickly as far as um, the the writing process uh, between me and Sean is um, because I had literally bup- bupkis for ideas on how to expand. The script. That's one of the reasons why I said, Sean, whatever you want to add to it, go right ahead. <laughs> um, and uh, he sent me the original idea was to end the film. It Sean's original idea was to have the film end with Laurie interviewing the twins about their encounter with me, the angel. Yeah. But then I get the script and he goes, he, he sends it to me, he goes, good news. It's long enough. I read it and that ending's not in there. And I go, Sean, where is it? And he goes, well, it felt kind of forced. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, now we have a long enough script, but we have two storylines with no connection at all. And we were racking our brains trying to figure out the connection. And literally at 1.30 in the morning one night, I, 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 a light bulb goes off and I say, Hey, Sean, we've been trying to connect the reporter directly to the guys in the warehouse. Why don't we connect to them indirectly? That scene where you have Laurie come home and she prays by herself. What if she runs into Jeff and JR and it turns out she's their mother slash husband slash wife? And he goes, you know what? I was thinking we needed one more scene with Jeff and Jr. after the mountain. That would actually work. So we 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 say that that little snippet right there, where she comes home and sees yeah. them, that that what we call that. Or at least I do. I call that the thirty second scene that solved three problems. <laughs> it tells us why Laurie is the way she is. It tells us what her connection is to the rest of the story, and it connects the stories at the same time. So right. But that part kind of confused me. So did she? Did she know that the two of them were like had this whole situation with the reconciler? Or did they keep that? Well, yeah, that's another thing. Believe it or not, that for some strange reason people can't. You don't realize that the soldier and his son and the cops are stories that I'm telling. Okay, and this is something that I've run into, and I've talked to Sean about it as well. I feel like the Christian audience for Christian films is a little bit not too bright because they stay away from because they stay away from modern films which are shot like non-linearly and are kind of like mind puzzles and stuff like that. Yeah. They don't get the concept of out of order stuff. And so I surmise that the soldier and his son was like two years ago. Okay. And but Laurie and the me and the twins in the warehouse, that's present day. The soldier and his son is like two years ago and the cops are like one year ago. I would have people who say well scott the message is very good but how does that one cop go from being in the car to being outside the car to being back in the car again and i'm like because the stuff in the car is not in present day it's a flashback <laughs> you know what i mean i begged yeah. sean to put one year ago two years ago at the bottom of the screen but he goes no i don't want to insult the audience's intelligence and i'm like the audience who's going to watch this is too stupid <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, and I'm and, I'm guilty of that. And I, would, because... I wouldn't say that just about a Christian audience, because there's there's a lot of like your general 
yeah. normal yeah. audience that if my you own do, do mother you know because I, I, mean, I know mother. people like when lost was on that couldn't understand the flashbacks and that so you know right. so <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah. yeah like sean and i have actually yeah. written a christian film that kind of takes a few cues from the show this is us which is another movie we have to make at some point yeah you know um i've I've, uh, my uh, co-producer at the time on Reconciler, uh, I had helped him with a couple of other, his other little indie films, um, in writing and taking some of his ideas and putting them into story form. And, um, he was off. He's like, you got to treat your audience like they're in the third grade. <laughs> and, and, you know, I understand that. And that's kind of what was going on. But, um, I've always kind of, I don't want to say refuse to do that and been like, well, you know, if people are going to get it, they're going to get it. And if they're not, they're not. And the people that do get it, it's kind of a, a reward. Right. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I, oh, <we're... laughs> I, I don't know what I just did, but we'll go with it. No, I agree with that. Totally. Sean, one of the, one of the things in the years I've been a magician, I never do what I call Mr. Rogers magic shows. Because kids are a lot smarter than people give them credit for. That's and one I thing that I will... Yeah. What, what, what'd you say? That's what I think, too. But, yeah, you know. yeah. One, th one thing that people will always ask me is they'll be like, what do you have a mixed crowd of older kids or younger kids? Who do you gear the thing at? And I'm like, I gear the audience at the older crowd because it's easier to ask the younger crowd to come up to the older kids' levels than it is to say to all the older kids, okay, we're going to be singing the ABCs, try to be at the younger kids' levels. Because they'll be like all bratty and be like, no, I don't want to do this stuff. So I gear it at families have always been my best audience for that reason. So anyway, just a little thing there. Yeah, I mean, you got to kind of right. cover all of it. I mean, like you're, the best TV shows or movies out there kind of cater to everyone and not right. just, you know, niche markets. Not that there's anything wrong with that either because... You know, sometimes yeah. people just want to watch a horror movie or a comedy or, you know, or an adult comedy or a kid's comedy or an animated movie, whatever, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, yeah. Any questions, uh, <laughs> Sesame? Uh, not so much a question, but just more of a clarification. So, you know, sometimes I rag on movies and it's more of like a exaggeration thing because I very cognizant of how much work goes into like any kind of project. Right. So I, I really hope I didn't offend you guys by just blasting it because it was more of just kind of my style. Basically it's not, not personal. It's nothing like that, you know, cause you know, I do music and stuff like that. And I know like how much, how many hours go into like just a single song or whatever. And you know, they have some jerk be like, Oh, well they didn't, you know, put in this part or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. no. We didn't. We didn't take it personally. You guys were, well, I think, one of the better ones <laughs> that did some of the other ones. I'm not going to mention the names here, but there are some other viewers that were just there. There's what there's one YouTube channel. I'm not going to mention the name that devotes their entire channel to ripping apart Christian films. Oh, and wow. I just you couldn't do anything better with your time than that. You know what I mean? So I, just, I don't know. So yeah. That, I mean that that's like a personal vendetta channel. Yeah. I mean, like, you guys. Like we started out with, we had a, we had a different podcast where it was just covering films based on true stories. Right. But then we realized that that limited us. So <laughs> what we do with our podcast is we, you know, we'll cover a, a 
TV pilot that didn't last more than a season for, for a show that didn't last more than a season. We'll cover a movie in one genre. Then we'll, we'll cover like the new Marvel movie in theaters. We'll do that. We just want to kind of have a variety of what we can cover. So we're not pigeonholed. I mean, it's right. kind of hurt us in a way. Because I looked at I think some of the I, other stuff. You, I looked at some of the other stuff you guys did critiques for, and I was amazed you found our film to be honest. With you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, that, that's the thing. We, we search YouTube a lot and find yeah. a lot of these uh, movies and TV shows that we'll just it'll just come up, I think, because we've looked for other ones. And I'll be like, hey, that looks <laughs> interesting. So, yeah. And I know I know uh, Sesame found this one. Um, I don't even know how you found it. How'd you find this, Sesame? I was just um, searching for like uh, religious films or something like that. And I and that, that was one of the ones that came up and. I uh, just checked it out, you know, read a little about it. Cause, yeah, I read the whole thing about the Christian version of Saul. I'm like, I, even then I was like, I I don't think that's what it is. I, that's a marketing thing that, not saying you not saying you marketed it that way, but that's a marketing yeah. thing that someone who wrote the article who wanted people to go to the website and read the article did. And so I was like, okay, whatever. So, yeah, that was just kind of, um, that was just my motivation or whatever i just typed in religious films on youtube to see whatever popped up marketing would suggest that we actually got a good distribution deal when this thing was first made right well that's the other thing that i was gonna bring up and i forgot so because i watched um lucifer and the father uh recently and then i watched another an interview about it with um i forgot the name of the the youtube channel um but it was uh it was with a woman i i forgot her name um Jackie Cameron. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you said something too about crowdfunding, which again I thought was interesting because uh, mm-hmm. it, it does kind of touch on the psychology of individuals. Where if you say something like, you know, I need you know five thousand dollars or whatever to make this film or this project or whatever, each person is sitting there thinking they want me personally to give them five thousand dollars, and it's like, no, it's for yeah, everyone. I've had to explain that. Sean and I have had to explain that to so many people when doing, I mean, one of the things that I use, like I actually finally should be mentioned. I just did a Lucifer and the father screening last night at a church that had like 16 people in it. And we got a lot of people to donate to it. But I said to them, let me stress something in front of you all here. Okay. We're trying to raise $600,000 to make the five additional episodes of Lucifer and the father. Now, some people will look at that and they will go, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have that kind of money anywhere near it, but Mm -hmm. I will pray for you. Well, it's called crowdfunding for a reason because we are not looking for one person to give us 600,000. You want to know what happens when one person gives you all that money? They have way too much power and then they start to dictate changes in your story. And they're not, they're not usually a person who knows how to write. I'm sure Sean could tell stories about that, but I won't make it. So entitled. It's an entitlement. A lot lot of people are like that too. They're like, Oh, my, my five, ten hundred dollars or whatever isn't going to help. Right, but if you right. know well, you get a hundred people donating a hundred dollars, you get a thousand. Yeah, it's and a lot of people say, yeah. So, a lot of people will say it's a lot of money. I don't think that that'll work. But here's a story that I always tell to a crowd, and it always ends up making people give. Believe it or not, I don't want to say it's a trick, but it's just uh, really making them do them. My dad's a financial planner, and my mom was born and raised in Boston, so she's a diehard New England Patriots fan. So I said, okay, I'm going to combine my dad's financial expertise with the Patriots and give everybody an analogy here. There's a place called Gillette Stadium. Gillette Stadium fits 68,300 people. All of who are willing to go there drop a whole bunch of money on seeing guys fight over a football 
and drop even more money on beer, hot dogs, and whatever else they want to eat. If Sean and I found a way to fill Gillette Stadium and everybody <laughs> gave us 10 bucks, we would have more than we needed to make this series. Yeah. So I find it hard to believe that out there in these information superhighway social network, we can't find that. Mm-hmm. It's, it, so it's, that's what we're trying to do. It's amazing. Like I've, I've, I've got like thousands of friends on Facebook. And yeah. I've tried to do crowdfunding for me or help other people with crowdfunding. And you think with that many of friends yeah. that people would donate. But I think most of the people are thinking, well, you know, I, I'm not going to donate, but I'm sure, you know, yeah. these five right, other people yeah. will. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. I'm sure someone else will do the right thing. That's that's kind right. of the yeah. <laughs> right there. The too. one thing I'll... I want to ask Dallas yeah. Jenkins, who's the mastermind behind the Christian series, The Chosen, which is totally crowdfunded. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's the most successful crowdfunded um, project in history. Yeah. What I want to ask him is, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what did you do? Because I, because I, I'm amazed, to be honest with you, that we found 5000 to make Lucifer and the Father. Lucifer and the Father was a $5,000 movie, totally crowdfunded yeah. on Indiegogo. And we had an actual, we thought we were going to have to make it for 1000 less, but we had a 11th hour very generous person who has asked me not to reveal his identity, who put up the last 1000 we needed. Uh, so that's that's how that got done. So Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I uh, got another question for you. What, um, you know, what films and entertainment in general have inspired you guys before you got into filmmaking or as you're doing filmmaking or as you're doing your craft in any way? Films or TV shows or anything. John, you can go first. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, I'm what in my early 50s now. And, you know, a lot of guys my age will go, you know, Star Wars. But yeah, <laughs> I think for me, um, it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because I was what, 12 or 13 when it came out uh, or remember it. And it was just kind of a one I was really kind of personally just kind of exploring and, and growing in my faith as a kid. And I remember seeing that and going, just being impressed with how in a mainstream film they they showed i mean for lack of a better term the character of god yeah. you know they they there was this element and i was like wow that is really cool uh because of, of me growing in my faith at that at that time you know to see that on screen and you know so for me you know i worked on mainstream you know films and you know, crazy other little indie films, and that's just a job, you know, yeah. to me. But you know, um, and the other thing about the the faith audience, um, you know, for w- what you'll find is a lot of people on the faith side, <clears throat> they really like Reconciler because of the the values and and the, um, the affirmations that it has for their faith. And so, um, you know, I'm not saying they're less critical, but certain things matter more to them, you know, yeah. to have, have in a story or on screen and it's not bad. It's just, no. I mean, um, I mean, it's, 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 you know, you think of the, um, you know, the gay and lesbian market, there's, you know, people that are, are, you know, of that, you know, they, they like those kinds of films more, right. Because it, it espouses and, and has, you know, the, their values and what they're interested in seeing. Well, on that's the thing people want to be represented in any way. That's you know, right. And see, that's see, right. See, see so, themselves you know, in a movie or TV show. 
Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't make any apologies uh-huh. for you know what we did in, in the Reconciler and why you know certain yeah. films in the faith market, you know, to someone who's outside of that might be like, oh, this is just propaganda or religious right. film or whatever. And you know that's fine. Um, you know, each people, I, I, you know, my my buddy, he he loves horror films, right? You mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, eh, not mine. Doesn't yeah. my yeah. soul, you know, but but they they keep making them right and there's people who absolutely hate horror films i'm 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 not a fan but they're just they don't interest me and and that's the cool thing about the um what are they called the equalization of the technology um where a lot of people like me and like you guys can go out and make films right you know for seven thousand dollars like you said yeah you know and have fun doing it and you have a little audience you know, and I think there's this misnomer that we're making, you know, hundred million dollar, you know, super high, high quality films. And we're not. We're just out having fun. And yeah, maybe I spent, you know, fifty grand out of pocket to make Reconciler and we made some money on it. You know, I'm not gonna lie about that. But um but it, it hit a certain market and we knew that going into it. And if there's, you know, other people that wanna come in that that that's not, you know, Right. something that they're interested in and they they critique it that's that's fine you know yeah. <laughs> we just know the target market that we're trying to hit with it yeah, and there's there's and room, there's room for everything that's the thing that's I right mean, now that's like right. you said with the equalization of uh of equipment you know yeah. things being so much cheaper like you know just, yeah. just 10 years ago it would have cost you know yeah probably and there, there is another name twice or three times equalization as much. Yeah. The, you're kind of leveling the playing field you know mm-hmm. kind of thing for be able to go out and make go just go have fun. Yeah, you know? make a movie on your iPhone or whatever, and yeah, have with your friends yeah. in the backyard or well, whatever. Well, the funny thing is, ahead. a lot of Christian yeah. films these days are shot on iPhones and stuff, yeah. and they got good cameras. On the ra- so. Yeah, on the yeah. Ra- on the rare occasion Tough, that the picture quality has been critiqued in Reconciler, which is very rare. I'm like, for the record, we shot that thing on the high definition red camera, yeah. which is the same camera that the Shield and the Show 24 were both shot yeah. on. So there's if there's uh-huh. one thing we didn't lack in it's techno it's technology. So we shot Lucifer and the Father in that as well. For, from a filmmaking uh, filmmaker standpoint, did you guys own one or rent one? Just out of curiosity. Um, I had this amazing uh-huh. government uh-huh. contract to do uh, a bunch of training videos, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and at the end of 2012 or 2011, I think, and uh, and they were dragging their feet, and I got this call from my client at the end of like towards the end of December. And they're like, I got to pay you the rest of the, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on this contract to you or else I'm going to lose it. And we're not done. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know, because you're, you're kind of yeah. anticipating what your taxes are going to be in your business. Oh, yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, then all of a sudden that's going to put me in the next tax bracket. And, and like, okay, I'm going to buy a camera. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought it and used it for my corporate work. And then that's, you know, that's yeah. my bread and butter. And, but I was always like, I want to use it for film sometime. I want to. Yeah. So yeah, I, I owned one. That's cool. Yeah. I, I know some people that have them. I've yet to use one myself. I shoot, I shot my films on Canon DSLRs. I mean, so it's yeah. like, you know, it is yeah, what it is. Several so, music yeah. videos on those are great. Yeah. Um, I, uh, now, oh, is... did you want me to tell you what movies yeah, inspired Yeah, I'm sorry. Either. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's sorry. okay. I, 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 I've got everybody in this uh, podcast off at least once. <laughs> so uh, believe me, it's not. Yeah. Um, I, f- 
for me, it's hard to say what movies inspired me, but I have never liked movies that make me depressed, make me sad, or just have no substance. I like thinking movies. And in some ways, I also kind of like, as a magician, I like, like one of my favorite movies is The Stink, without a doubt, uh, because that movie is basically a magic trick, in my opinion. And I wanted to do something, you know, Sean was talking about how people like The Reconciler because of the substance and stuff like that. Well, the funny, let me tell you something interesting about people who like church plays or like Christian movies. They tend to like it for the message because they are Christians and that's why everybody else talks at it. And the reason why is because the filmmaker was so wrapped up in getting the message across that uh, they forgot to tell a story. Yeah. I told that somebody happens. once, if I ever write my memoirs, one chapter is going to be called God gave us imaginations. Why aren't we mm -hmm. using them? You know what I mean? And one of the things that I couldn't get over is people on both sides of the spectrum, if you will, for reconcile. I'm getting a little bit off on a tangent here. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. People on both sides of the tangent of the uh, spectrum here, both believers and non-believers, have said this idea about God kidnapping people. Oh, that's not a God I want to serve. For the record, do we really believe God is doing this reconciler program anywhere? No, this is a movie. Okay, this is a movie. Wait, this, this wasn't, this a, wasn't a, a documentary. I'm no, it's not. This is a movie. This is a story that I based on true stories to get across a spiritual concept of reconciliation. And the okay. truth is, I think that this movie could have been done without the Christian message because I think reconciliation is something we need more of. There are too many people in this world just holding on to grudges and grudges can eat away if you like the mm -hmm. answer. But movies like The Sting or the Back to the Future trilogy I really like. One of my favorite films is a lesser known work of Jim Caviezel's called Frequency. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, I love Frequency. That's a yeah. good movie. Oh yeah, Frequency. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know what's funny about Frequency? It is the most grounded in reality time travel movie ever made. Yeah. Because scientists have surmised that there's no machine that we could build that could send a human in time. But sending a radio signal through time is actually a little bit more feasible because yeah. you would have to send a si if you could send a signal beyond the speed of light, you could send a radio signal through time. At least yeah. that's been my. I've done some. Re I wrote a time travel script on my own a couple of years ago, and I wanted to ground it a bit more in reality. I mean, Back to the Future is awesome, but it's mm -hmm. pure fiction. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what? Yes. That's not a documentary, too? <laughs> so, Based on a true story? I like movies that make the audience think. And uh -huh. I've never liked movies where the characters you're watching are dumb. It seems like every comedy that's made these days is people are entertained by watching blithering idiots. And yeah. I have never liked I've never liked that. I've liked I like watching movies where it turns out the characters you were watching are smarter than you. And and there's always like, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to end this movie, The Reconciled, with a big revelation. Now, one thing I should mention about that real quickly, the original ending of the film was not that God was the reconciler. The original ending of the film was going to be, when I, well, the original ending of the play, rather, was going to be that Ed was Joe Sanford, the guy that he was talking about. And only the audience was going to know that. And in the original play... One of the mother and daughter, the characters who are now twins, had a Bible flaunt in them. And when it was revealed to the audience that Ed was the reconciler, he, basically they got out of the room. Uh, the the uh, two people that were with him said they were going to go get, they were going to go to the police. And 
uh, it was going to be Ed puts his cane down, and you hear some of the other lines, like the, and the audience could figure out he was the reconciler. And he starts to destroy evidence in the room, and he's about to destroy the Bible, but for whatever reason, he puts it in his pocket instead, and walks off and walks off scot free, kind of like how Kaiser Soze or Jigsaw would in the yeah, <laughs> in, you know, the uh, the main the mainstream films. <clears throat> I ran that by a friend of mine named Al, who actually is the director of the only film I have ever been in that Sean did not direct. <laughs> Um, we call Dark Disciple, which is an action-packed film. You guys should check it out. Um, I ran that by him, and he was like, you know, Scott, you're writing the script called The Reconciler. The Reconciler is God. Too bad you can't have God be the Reconciler. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, could I? And suddenly it was occurred to me, you know, to know, to have all this power to abduct people without them knowing and not get caught, I think that's something only God himself could pull off. <laughs> so... <laughs> And that quickly became the thing, and Ed quickly became an angel rather than, um, rather than um, uh, Joe Sanford, the guy. I kept the Joe Sanford story to mislead the audience, because, you know, if God were really doing something like this, I think it would get wrapped up in an urban legend like something like Joe Sanford. So that's why we kept that story in. Well, the thing I liked about the doing this is that and and showing the these three situations. Um, and, you know, you talked about things, you know, people aren't like it's a murder or, or whatever, you know, that, you know, some of the things seem petty. You know, you think just about your friends who aren't talking to each other anymore or, yeah. uh, you know, your family members and you're standing back going, what do you say? You, that's so petty. <laughs> you know, why are they, you know, haven't talked to each other for years when it's over this stupid little thing? And, you know, I think that was one of our things of the movie is we were hoping that people would walk away. In fact, I did. I had people that saw it that are like, you know, uh, in fact, we did a screening and uh, I've got a pastor friend of mine at, at a church. He showed it and he previewed it and he got up and when he introduced it and he go, and at the at the end, or I think it was when he wrapped, he goes, you know, I, I, I haven't talked to my son in three or four months. And this movie inspired me to to call him and to to try and you know set things right. So I think yeah. for us, you know, even if you know people aren't of faith or whatever, and and yeah. you know, I think that there's that element of it that you know might be inspiring to just you know people that that have issues with others or they're like you know that's really yeah. stupid, you know I've been keeping you know not talking to this or that. So, you know, hopefully it's it, our idea, too, is just that it could help even inspire people in society to to not have these petty disagreements with each other. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, John, a lot of times where people just get argued. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, no, it's okay. Sean, yeah. you actually reminded me of something that I remember happening on the set. And I don't know if you know the follow-up to this because I sadly don't. But uh, we had a, I forget what his name was, but we had a great set designer on this. And not everybody who worked on this film, you know, was a Christian. It's not a requirement you'd be a Christian yeah. to work on a film. <laughs> because sometimes Christians are not good actors. You need you need actors. You don't need Cla higher quality people. Yeah, no, yeah. No, matter no matter what their faith is. And then our set designer, who also actually designed the Reconciler envelopes, which were really cool. He only could make three copies of each one. So Jeremy and Jordan and I, we had to be careful how many times we, we could only do so many takes of ripping the envelope. <laughs> open. But anyway, hey, that's a bunch. That's what you call a bunch. But anyway, he I was he had his son working on the set with him, and I told him you know some of the things that inspired this, and he goes, yeah, I wish I could do this to my dad and my older brother, 
because it turns out his dad and his older brother were not on speaking terms. And I ended up talking to our set designer about that. And he told me that when this film was done, he was going to send his son a copy of the movie and his own version of the letter that he had designed. Oh, wow. As kind of an olive branch. I don't know what happened with that or if he ever did it. He just told us that's what he was going to do. So I sadly, we sadly have not kept in touch. So, but just, <clears> you know, <throat> stuff like that kind, kind of makes it worth it. And what this actually reminds me of something else that I think Mr. Sesame brought up during the, uh, that you, you actually realized something uh, during your podcast. You said, you know, if it's God doing this, he would know that your apology was not genuine. If you were in this situation, you apologize, you know, just to get out of the room. In fact, we kind of have a moment like that where Jeremy's character, Alex, goes, OK, I forgive you. Can we get out of here now? And I'm like, yeah, yeah he's probably done. yeah, he's probably monitoring everything in here. I've had people, believers and non-believers, ask me. So and even the people who criticize them, I'm saying, so God is literally saying, make up or die. Well, if this is God we're talking about, who knows your heart, who knows your <laughs> brain, who knows mm. he knows if you have it in you, whether or not to forgive he's not going to put anybody in the reconciler scenarios that he knows is going to be stubborn enough that they're going to die okay <laughs> right. so he would never so if you're stubborn enough that you would rather die than forgive somebody he's not going to you're not going to be there in the first place in some ways the whole death thing is a bluff the whole right. death, that's it's one of the reasons it's one of the reasons why like uh, the reconciler leaves ed alex and jane so much food because he knows <laughs> He knows how he knows how long it's going to take and stuff like that. But I mean, he just he wouldn't. So the 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 saying that uh, get out and that's another thing that uh, surprises me. One of the other guy, not you guys, but one of the other people who critic who criticize this thing is what kind of serial killer kidnaps two cops to be better policemen? Well, two things about that. Number one, that should have been a clue right there. <laughs> this is not a bad guy. Number two. He doesn't kill anybody. He's not a serial. He's a serial right. kidnapper. He's not a serial killer. He's yeah. a serial kidnapper. Yeah. No, I know. That's the thing too. Like what I when I do these like criticisms, I I intentionally I'm literal about it as almost a joke. Like I I know yeah. that you you didn't actually mean in the movie that like he's gonna starve these guys out or whatever. Style. <laughs> So that's just kind of my style. Like, and I hope that people who listen to our podcast at this point know when I'm being like overly literalistic, right. it's just like, it's my way of just like kind of goofing off a little bit, but like, who knows? Like you said, though, some people, they don't know that. So they might actually think, you know, <laughs> that. of the five people I found that have torn our film apart on YouTube, you guys were the nicest. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad because I, I appreciate like I said before, are. I don't really <laughs> I don't really, it's like at this point, it's just like, it's almost like an exaggerated version of myself when I get into this sort of like mode. Yeah. It's, that it's like, it's not really my personality. I mean, it kind of is, but it's not like 100%, you know? So, yeah. I don't think we've been too cruel on anything except for maybe Larry the Cable Guy, just because we don't <laughs> think he can act. So it's kind of. <laughs> He's just, just stick a stick to voice creator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to back up, uh, just to back up on, on the note. <laughs> I mean, a movie without peril is not a movie at all, right? Mm -hmm. right. You know, so you do have to have a certain amount of, you know, are they going to make it? Are they not going right. to make it? So, yeah. but yeah. I told my pastor once, I said, you do realize that it is impossible to make a movie that does not have sin in it in any way, because if you don't have a problem to resolve, you don't have a story. <laughs> right. so even if you're, so even if you're yeah. portraying the sin as a bad thing, 
there's still there's still sin in Christian movies. If people are getting mm-hmm. over a problem, then that there is, is impossible to make a movie that does not have sin in it in some way. Because if you don't have a problem to resolve, there's no story. Yeah, I mean, you need conflict, even if it's just the conflict within yourself or with you and God or right. whatever it is. It's yeah. just you need that yeah. conflict in there. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish that they were. I just wish that some mainstream that I don't know why mainstream media and shows always turn the Bible readers into the serial killer or <laughs> something like that. I just wish that they could. And I mean, the idea that someone's not probably going to swipe this if I mention it, the idea that brought Sean and me together in the first place, which is actually worth mentioning, that um, uh, we were actually introduced by a mutual Facebook friend. And I was uh, trying to make this movie that involved a pair of twins, which we wound up using in Reconciler. And someone said to me, hey, you should talk to this guy, Sean Justice, because uh, he is a twin and he's a Christian filmmaker. He might be interested. And that's kind of what started this whole thing. And I, the, I'll never forget July 9th, 2012, when I called him and found out about his son, Caleb. I, because we are wired to unfortunately think about how things uh, affect us. <laughs> Sean and I still had not met in person at that point, actually. It's worth mentioning as well. I honestly thought my dream of doing a movie with Sean was over at that point. And I was like, okay. This ha- well, little did I know that tragedy would be the very thing that would make our first film. And that's why I, I love the fact that Sean, you know, credited Caleb as the executive producer. And a lot there have been people who have actually accused me of being overly loyal to Sean. I've actually had people say to me, Sean's uh, resume is not very long. What has he done? And <laughs> one of the things that I've said is, how about this? He said, Scott, I will help you when every other big name Christian movie producer was slamming the door in my face. That's one thing he's done right there. And secondly, when he's when he got the money from Caleb's death and wanted to make the movie, you know, to honor Caleb's memory. Sean wrote at least, what, 10 scripts before you and I met. Oh, yeah. Something. Yeah, they're still. Yeah, they're still in my library. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah. You yeah. are talented enough of a writer. He could have dumbed down or simplified any of them and made the movie to honor Caleb, but he chose my but he chose my idea instead. He gave a over caffeinated, anxiety ridden magician from Boston a chance when no one else would. <laughs> so that's so that's why so that's what you one need. Of the reasons. Is lo- loyalty is something that is rare yeah. sometimes these days. So that's that's always good right. that you guys have that between each other. Yeah. We wish we lived closer than 3,000 miles apart. Say that. <laughs> well, with, with stuff like Zoom and other things, you know, it, you're closer yeah. than you ever were like years ago. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, we learn, we, write, we, write, we write very well together as well. We, we I jokingly tell people that I'm the baker and he's the guy who decorates the, every script that we've ever written together, whether it was one of my ideas or one of his, it's one that I will write first and then he will finesse and make it sound not like a church play because <laughs> he had, Sean has told me that I'm better at story points than he is and Sean is way better at writing dialogue than I am. So I told my friend Al, who I mentioned earlier, I said that thing once he goes, so basically Scott, you make the tire and Sean figures out how to make it turn. I'm like, I guess you could call it that, yeah. <laughs> so. That's a good thing. <clears throat> uh, one uh, <laughs> last thing before we wrap things up here. Um, what uh I know you got Lucifer and the Father uh that just uh came out. Um uh are you guys working on anything else uh coming up or trying to get that as a as a series or but that's the that's the main thing right now. Believe it or not, one of you said that Reconciler would be better as a anthology 
series. Believe it yeah. or not, we actually wrote nine episodes. We actually wrote 10 episodes of a Reconciler series. Mm-hmm. Okay. At some point, we're hoping, we have a lot of the original idea that I was telling. As a matter of fact, I just realized that I went off on one of my tangents and I never said something earlier that I wanted to. Um, I was talking about, you know, how the mainstream always uh, uh, portrays Christians as like the serial killing Bible reader or whatever. I had, The idea that I've been trying to make with Sean for 13 years was based on a guy who went to my church who was a great man of God, and his job was he was a private detective. And I thought, man, that is a wonderful dichotomy to explore. Mm-hmm. And I think that would even appeal to how do you not compromise the morals of your beliefs and do that job? And that was what, and that genesis that genesis into uh, the. I'm not going to mention the title here because yeah, you know, people have already accused me of ripping off Saul. I don't want anybody ripping off <laughs> ripping off so. Plus. Plus, Sean knows how long I can talk about that idea, and I've already talked a lot already, so I'm going to cut myself off right there. But uh, to answer your question directly, yes, Lucifer and the Father is uh, clear and present. It's what, it's what, uh, as far as stuff that we're doing together, Sean and I have other projects independently. I'm going to a Comic-Con this weekend with my Mario group, and Sean is always doing this corporate video stuff. And like I said, he wrote nine scripts before we we ever met, so I never know. (laughs) <laughs> I never know what I never know what shiny object he's chasing after next. So, <laughs> so I'll, yeah, Lucifer and the Father yeah. is. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, we. It was in the middle of COVID, and right. and Scott was like, "I just wanted to do something," and you know, <laughs> and so he was able to, um, you know, do the crowdfund and uh, you know, pulled that together, and he and Bob flew out to. Uh, uh, Central Oregon, where I, I have a, a second home out there, <clears throat> where I spend a lot, a lot of the summers out there. And we, I knew the locations. Originally, the right. script was two guys sitting at a table talking, and I'm like, well, you know, why don't we, you know, use some of the locations, yeah. um, you know, and incorporate those into the story. Perfect so, example of him finessing my script and improvement. <clears throat> I mean, it was beautiful when, locations. And I, I, yeah, it's it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, now, my Lucifer wife... and the Father, I'm willing to admit, is kind of a ripoff. Okay, I was watching Heat, and the the diner scene between Pacino and De Niro. I said, "Man, this has been done with uh, Professor X and Magneto, and I, I'm surprised no one's ever done it with God and the Devil." I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's cool." And that's that was <laughs> kind of about. So it was inspired by the scene in Heat or what, whatever. And a lot of the, one of the reasons why I pitched it to Bob and Sean is because. Bob, I'm sure you guys recognize Bob, who played the role of God and Lucifer and the Father, is the same guy who played uh, Detective Tilton and the Reconciler. Uh, he had been wanting to work with us again since that, but we never had a uh, Sean or I never. I had a project that I wanted to do that was based on the first four chapters of Genesis, where I wanted him to play God and me to play Satan. And Sean always loves to film things in the Oregon area, so I was kind of like, okay, what can we do during COVID that would have a small group of people that wouldn't violate any of the parameters? And I remember this skit that I wrote based on the scene from Heat. And I said, what if we do this? And I said, you know, Bob, it's not the big movie that I promised you, but at least we get to work together once. And as God and the devil, like we said, and you get to work with Sean again. And Sean, you get to shoot the area up. So it was a win-win. And the most ironic thing is by the time we got the thing crowdfunded and got to the area, half the COVID rules that we were trying to avoid didn't exist anymore. Yeah. So we, we ended up... Um... Um, I get my wife got involved in writing that she's been my production designer on a couple of films since. Um, and she's really good at, at 
you know, we work well together. Um, and so that's when we made it. And, 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 you know, the, the whole idea that I incorporated into the story then was, uh, how in the new Testament, how, uh, there's the temptation of Jesus by, uh, uh, by Satan and he takes him to different places, you know, like, uh, on top of the temple, you uh-huh. know, here or there. I thought wouldn't it be kind of fun to incorporate that kind of element into the story where instead it's the reverse. God's taking him, Satan, to different <laughs> locations, kind of throwing him for a loop. But there's um there's a lot of ultimately we wanted to just communicate God's heart and and uh yeah. and to really um show, you know, people are like, I'll praise Satan and that. It's like, you know, I, I you might want to re examine that <laughs> that idea a little bit. <laughs> Um, you know, and, yeah. you know, someone's always a critic. Someone's yeah. always a critic. <laughs> yeah. My, so. You know, again, with, again, with using your imagination, just real quickly, we had one person leave a comment on the YouTube video say, oh, roly poly guys like this. No, my God would never look like that. Satan was the most beautiful angel in heaven. Oh, oh my God. Oh, brother. And I'm like, do, let me ask both of you a question. You both watch, you both watch Lucifer and the Father, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you really think we're trying to say, we believe God and the devil look like me and Bob? No. <laughs> oh, it's just a of course not. It's a of course not. We reduce them to a we reduce them to a human level that our puny minds can understand. And beauty's in the eye of the beholder, anyways. So yes, like, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, or at least in the scenery there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, we talked about time travel. That would have been that for like what the past five thousand years. Nobody knew what the devil or God looked like until the Lucifer and the Father came out. Like, what? <laughs> you guys figured no. it out. No, 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 no. no, no. no. I didn't want to do a spotlight. I didn't want to do a spotlight talking like Charlton Heston out of the sky talking to a guy. What is this Lucifer and the Fathers? Yeah, right. And this is what God and Satan look like. Well, anyways, yeah. we got a. We're running out of time here, so I just thought no, I'd uh, let you guys go here, and uh, thank you very much for your time. If you ever want to come back on again to talk about anything, um, the door's always open. Just uh, thanks. hit us nice. up. All right. Appreciate Great. it. Oh, you guys have a good night, and uh, thank you. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes. Less, thank you so I just much. saw a warning came up less than a minute on the thing, so I didn't want to start <laughs> another <laughs> chat. I understand. Plus, I have to use the restroom really quick. So, okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Recording well, stopped. Thank you guys very much. Bye. Um, yeah. Love it. Bye. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Okay. Thank you for uh, listening to that interview there with uh, Scott and Sean about the film, The uh, Reconciler, and their other work, including their uh, upcoming. Uh, <clears throat> series that they're trying to get done that has a short film right now called Lucifer and the Father. Um, one thing you can do uh, to check out more about them, the the best place right now is to go to justicepictures.com slash films. It's the uh, best place to get any information about uh, Justice Pictures. And yes, as we said in the interview, Sean Justice is his real name. Yes, so. his real name. And also, consider donating to the project if you yeah. feel inspired to do so because like scott said before in this interview and also in other interviews he's done with other people you okay. know <laughs> when they're asking for money they're not asking for one person to pony up all of the money it's yeah. it's a group effort so if you can only contribute one dollar that's that's 
better than no dollars. It's, it's, it's one dollar <laughs> closer to their goal. I mean, it's you know, uh-huh. and and I mean, just think about that when you're trying to donate and help out any kind of yeah, anything, sm- yeah. smaller artist or a charity or anything like that. Like if if you only have a dollar and you're like, hey, you know, I need something to do with this, maybe help out, you know, some independent artist or donate it to a charity that's going to help the world in some way, you know. You know, and it'll come back to you. You know, things pay forward in some way. And yeah, in some way, shape, or form. It might not be the exact way that you hope for or think, but and it might even just be knowing that you help somebody. Um, yeah, that, that's, that could be it. That's a good thing too. You know, um, yep. you know, and on the Christian aspect of this, you know, it's what God would want you to do, I guess. So, really? so, um, any other thoughts here before we uh, wrap things up, uh, Sesame? No, just um hope you enjoyed it i did yeah me too um and uh like to thank uh, scott and sean again for being on the show and uh like i said you can check them out at justicepictures.com slash films uh you can check us out at all two real com. um find all of our links and everything there um be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review wherever you can um or a lower review i don't care you know <laughs> whatever you're feeling but just like money every review helps so it does no yeah. it does actually and and share the show that's that doesn't even cost anything you know just share a link to this i mean and share a link to their uh their project too you know it's 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 easy to do you know just share it on social media yeah um i shared i shared lucifer and the father yeah my fake earlier <laughs> and i will later i haven't yet because i was waiting until after this comes out um, but yeah, do it, you know, and, uh, be good to each other, recycle, be good to animals. Um, you know, be good to the environment and remember that I love you and Sesame loves you. And until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to All Too Real 2 Podcast, a Cullen Park production. Produced and edited by Michael E. Cullen II. Music by Matthew Haas. Subscribe and share the show. Visit us at cullenpark.com.